listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and we are, of course, your loyal hosts, broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas, where the skies are beautiful and blue, and the air is filled with cedar tree pollen that has resulted in me having to be doped up on Sudafed during today's radio show. So if you get the sense that I'm a little bit not... Yes, Paul, I'm giving you full disclosure now that uh, I'm on, I'm a, you know, a little bit on Sudafed today. So if I seem a little loopy, now you know why. So the topic of today's radio show is, are you tired of buyers and are you ready to learn how to be a listing agent? And I'll tell you what got me on this topic. We get, obviously, you know, now it's hundreds of inquiries of agents basically who are looking for a turn in the road. They're tired of, you know, buying buyer leads. They're tired of doing things that they've been doing for a long time, expecting different results. I had a great coaching call with a guy named Bart. And Bart, if you're listening, as I suspect you are, I'm not going to use your last name. But Bart had been involved in a referral-type coaching program for, I think, about 10 years. And he'd seen his results start to drop precipitously in really the past 24 months, and he wasn't sure why. And he was starting to blame himself. He actually was beginning to question himself. Now, Bart's 48 years old. He has hopefully the best years of his life for many decades to come in front of him. But here he was doubting himself because what had happened was is the program or the education that he had had become outdated. And you know, guys, that happens to all of us. So a lot of you take notes and a lot of you use our radio show as education for your agents. I know a lot of brokers are doing that. I know a lot of MLSs are doing that. So I want you, want you all to write something down. And this is really important that you never forget it. And this seemed to help Bart, so I'm hoping it will help a lot of you too. Here it is. Ready? When the going gets tough, the smart leave. When the going gets tough, the smart leave. In other words, don't assume that what you were, work, what you were doing yesterday, last year, is going to work at the same level as it is today. Matter of fact, it's smart to approach your business with the assumption, especially this time of year, that anything and everything that you're doing won't work at the same level and it should be questioned. Or, more directly, assume that what worked yesterday won't work today. Now, is that a blanket, you know, it's a blanket statement? Is it true? Of course not. You're going to find plenty that, you're working, that you've done in the past to generate business is going to still work today, no doubt. But I want you to approach your business with the assumption that nothing works and then make sure you question everything. That way, guys, nothing slips by you. Because like with BART, it's easy for us to become complacent and resting on our laurels for the skill sets we learned in you know, real estate markets of, uh, you know gone by. And then what happens is as the market changes, as the effectiveness of whatever you were doing changes, you don't change. And as a result of that, you end up where BART is, where you find yourself surprised starting to doubt yourself. So guys, when the going gets tough, the smart leave. Julie, does that resonate with you? Absolutely, it does, and that can apply to many different aspects. You know, I remember we use an example of an agent who only knew how to do a certain type of prospecting. She lost her voice. She had nothing else going on. The going got tough for her, so she was almost forced to leave because that's the only spoke she had in her wheel. So there's a lot of different avenues that you can apply that thought when the going gets tough, the tough leave. Well, that might mean leaving what you've been doing that used to work, but for some reason you seem to be banging your head into the wall now. 
how long do you want to keep banging your head? You got to make the change. So that's that's what's going on in my head when I hear that from you, Tim. By the way, guys, when the going gets tough, the smart leave. You know who said that? Charles Schwab. Okay, so that's where that came from. Now, the topic of today is: Are you tired of working buyers? I think for the most part, everyone on this call listening right now. Um, is tired of working with buyers, and are you finally ready to learn how to be a listing agent? Now, before we get to today's notes, I have a couple of announcements, and I think this is something that uh, I think is kind of amazing, if you want to know the truth. So as a lot of you guys know, because you've been listening to us for a long time, we officially started this radio show a little over a year ago, but we've been broadcasting uh, through you know, daily motivational messages and blog posts and all this to you guys for ages. So we started officially this radio show uh, about a year ago, a little better than a year ago, and it was our goal last year to have 50,000 listeners, uh, regular listeners by the end of the year, and we accomplished that goal. It was like 51,000, which was fantastic. Well, you know, here's what was incredible. I stated the goal at the beginning of this year that we wanted to have 100,000 listeners by like June or July of this year. Well, get this, guys. Because evidently what we're saying is resonating with a lot of you, we right now and it's, what, the 20th of the month, we have 80,000 listens, and there's a really good chance that we're going to have over 100,000 listeners by the end of this month. So that tells me that what we're saying is resonating with you to the extent that you're willing to share our radio show with other agents. So as always, I want to show my gratitude towards all of you for thanking thanking you sincerely for helping to make this radio show a success, because we really do love doing it, and hopefully you guys can feel that when you hear our words. So An omnipresent challenge that agents have nowadays, Julie, is the belief that they can't become listing agents or that becoming a listing agent is something that you have to somehow wait for some ordained being to tap you on the shoulder and say, it is now okay for you to start focusing on listings. You no longer have to build your business around buyers. I mean, what is it about this industry, Julie, that makes it so that agents believe that they can't or shouldn't do certain things. For example, work up or end listings or focus on sellers. Why is it that they believe that? Well, I think some of this, Tim, is perpetuated by the listing agents themselves because they really don't want the competition. So those agents say, well, you know what? It's okay to work buyers for a while. They say things like, it's okay to expect to not make money consistently. That's just part of the business. So I think part of it comes from there, and I think the other part of it comes from, unfortunately, I would say, and I'm sorry to say this, some of you guys suffer from a severe lack of training on exactly how to become a listing agent. It's not like they teach you that in real estate school, and most office managers, brokers, if we're being honest, most of them, you know, they don't really have a hardcore listing agent boot camp, so to speak. So I think it's just a missing element, and then buyers are generally easier to come by, so it just makes sense to run with them for a while. Does that make sense, Tim? Of course. So Julie and I have uh, some notes prepared for all of you, but before we get to our first point, I want to uh, let all of you know that um, you definitely want to be checking out mojosells.com. They're our favorite listing lead generation tool. And again, a lot of you are pivoting towards focusing on uh, sellers, as you should be, by the way. So you definitely want to be considering mojosells.com. Check them out. Phenomenal site, great company, um, one of the good guys out there. All right, so let's start out. Take some notes today, guys. Why do you want to focus on listings versus buyers? Why do you want to focus on listings versus buyers? Here's why. Because if you think, ask yourself this question, and those of you who have sold listings, you've got to kind of go back in time and think about the motivation of the sellers that you were successful with. So I want you to give me, and everyone who's listening, and you know, again, I know that this information is being shared sometimes in office meetings. So I want you to write down, 
An example, and this is a trick question. I want you to write down an example of a buyer that has to buy. I want you to give me an example of a buyer that has to buy. Has to buy. Doesn't have any other option. This exercise, this first question, shouldn't take you very long to answer. Okay? Go ahead and get that done. Okay, here's the answer. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. They can always rent. There's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. Everyone who's been frustrated working with buyers, it's because ultimately the buyers can always rent. And with faced with just a few headwinds, that's what they do. They say, we'll just hold ourselves off the market for a few months. You guys have all experienced the frustrations with working with buyers. Some of you are going to be saying, oh, Tim, I've got relocation buyers. They have to buy. No, they don't. They can always they rent. Don't. Yeah, they right. don't. Oh, Tim, I've got some 1031 person. If he doesn't reinvest, he's going to have to pay taxes on it. Well, he doesn't have to buy. He can pay the taxes, right? So the result is, is that those of you guys who focus on buyers are ultimately working the end of the business where, they're lack, where there's a distinct lack of real motivation. Now, let's talk about sellers. So, Julie, help me make a list here of the sellers that have to sell. In other words, we're checking out motivation here. What's the difference between a have-to-sell seller, asking a more specific question, what's the difference between a have-to-sell seller and a want-to-sell seller? Well, Tim, generally speaking, the filter to run that through is, is keeping the house an option. If the answer is no, they have to sell. Well, what causes that? Relocating executives. Now, theoretically, they could keep it as a rental, but generally that doesn't make sense. They have to sell the property. They're going to buy in their new area. They have to take the job. Uh, people who can no longer afford the payment, they're going to be short sales or foreclosures. Keeping the house is no longer an option. So it's a have-to-sell seller. Divorce situations. The divorce decree says you two will be selling the house and splitting the proceeds if there are any. There are some secondary high reasons, like you're living in a one-bedroom condo and expecting twins. Probably but you that have one, to move. But we've <laughs> okay, got to be careful. On that. On yeah. we, that's right. We've got to be careful on when we start saying move-ups because the house is too small. I grew up in We're a 1,300-square-foot house. I grew up in a 1,300-square-foot house with five people. So you can make it work. So when you're going down a have-to, like Julie just said, you have to sell because you you know, have a financial duress. You have to sell because you're getting relocated. You have to sell because of the fact that, you know, maybe you inherited the property in a different state. And you're, you know, guys, go through the list. Look at the sellers that you successfully sold in the past 12 months, assuming you have any, and then ask yourself, what was their motivation? You'll find that for the most part, nine times out of ten, they had to sell their property. You guys get it? So if you have to choose between ten have-to-sell sellers and you know, 10 want to buy buyers, obviously, intuitively, you know that you want to go with the listings because there's a higher probability that you're not wasting your time and you're going to get paid. So keep that in mind. At the end of the day, the reason we focus on sellers, specifically have to sell, not want to sell. Want to sell are, I'll sell if I can get my price. Want to sell are, if I, you know, if pigs fly, I'll sell my house. Want to sell are, if I can find the right house, I'll sell. Want to sell are, those types of excuses. So again, go back to any properties that you've tried to sell where you were the listing agent and they didn't sell. In those cases, it's probably because they were want-to-sells, not have-to-sells. These tiny little nuances, guys, make all the difference. You know, it's the big deal in this business is knowing the difference between have-to-sell and want-to-sell and then accepting the fact that at the end of the day, all buyers can always rent. So there's no such thing as a, mo a buyer that will ever be as motivated as a seller that has to sell. So hopefully you've made all that um, very clear. Now, secondary point, why you want to learn how to be a listing agent. 
Listings create leverage. Listings create leverage. You list one property, you put it in the MLS, you price it correctly. It's a have-to-sell motivated seller. Let's be honest. It'll sell itself out of the MLS, won't it? I mean, you don't have to do all the marketing. You don't have to put it on 14 different websites and make a color brochure. You don't have to do any of that crap. You price it right. It's a motivated seller. You stick it in the MLS. It's going to sell itself. True or false, Julie? It's absolutely true. And to make an even more serious point on the have-to-sell versus want-to-sell sellers, I always have my agents draw a line going up next for price for the want-to-sell sellers. They almost always overprice and torture you through the process. The have-to-sell sellers, you draw a line going down. That means the price will be lower, and you can accomplish what you just said. You put it in the MLS. It's priced right. They're motivated. You will have a closing in 30 to 45 days. So absolutely, it creates leverage. So each, when you're talking about leverage, you're talking about creating multiple sides, correct? So that's Versus the other just thing. the buyer side? That's right. We've found that when you work with a seller, almost always it's going to create two transactions. Either that seller moving up to buy something or that buyer, or maybe you're going to double in that listing or you're going to get a neighbor that's going to list a property with you. So as a rule, whatever, one single transaction, one single listing side transaction is almost always equal to two transactions. So what are we talking about so far? You have truly motivated sellers. You create leverage because you can basically take a bunch of listings and put them in the MLS, price them right. I'm not saying don't service your sellers while they're listed. Obviously, you do. And then, obviously, the next point being that, for generally speaking, every one transaction will equal two sides. Now, there's some more points on why you want to be a listing agent. If that wasn't enough, listing agents don't have to buy buyer leads. Do we need to say more? Listing agents don't have to buy buyer leads because when you have a listing, even if it's just a so-so listing, you have to beat the buyers off with a stick. If you have listings now and you're not getting a bunch of buyer leads, you need to seriously consider 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. It's cheap. It's highly effective. Um, go to the website. Check it out on your own. So if you're not getting a bunch of buyer leads and you do have uh, listings, there you go. You need to employ 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. And also, you need to think about other things like how your signs look. Do you have five different phone numbers on your signs? If there's not a very clear call to action on your signs, of course you're not going to get sign calls because it's too confusing. The next point on why you want to be a listing agent versus a buyer's agent, Julie? Next point is that being a listing agent actually gives you more freedom, not less. It gives you normal working hours. Listing agents have more stability and predictability in their business, and they actually have more time. I think this is one of the reasons why agents sometimes get worried if they have multiple listings. Gosh, that's a lot of people to take care of. But in fact, it's a little counterintuitive. The more listings you have, the more time you have, because first of all, you're not running buyers around. And secondly, you're buying your freedom. The more listing inventory you have, the more freedom that you've got because you're a self-generating lead machine. So when you generate lots of business, you don't have to tolerate poor quality business. This buys your time back, and it gives you that freedom. I'm sure you've seen that with your coaching clients, Tim, that have added onto their listing inventory by really on purpose working on being a listing agent. Well, so we're going to talk about that in the next point because a lot of you guys are saying, okay, Tim, not like I needed to be sold on why I wanted to be a listing agent. Could you please get to how I can be a listing agent and how I can set my business up and what the first steps are that I need to take? Yes, let's just get right to it, Julie. So the next section is, how do I get started? What's next? 
Um, so, you know, understand. Actually, Julia, this is your point. So why don't you read the next point? Sure. Well, I think most things that you learn start with working on your mindset. So understand that listings are mental work versus buyers who are physical work. Well, what does that mean? Well, buyers literally are physical work. You're doing a lot of setting up showings, driving around, handling feedback calls. Some of you guys are doing multiple, multiple offers for some of these buyers and not actually getting yourselves in contract. So it's a lot of physical work versus listings, which require more mental work. That means that you've got to have a really great pre-listing package, pre-qualification scripts, a listing presentation, know how to handle objections, and know how to close. So those are things you've got to actually work on as a strong listing agent. See, here's the thing, Tim. Listings, usually people are giving something up. Even if they're moving up, they're giving up a house that they were kind of in love with and maybe not making quite as much as they thought. Buyers sort of are excited on their own. So that creates physical work for you. But if we're being honest, it's not as much of mental labor. It doesn't take as much hard work on your skills as listings do. But here's the, the byproduct of that. Once you get those skills going on, everything becomes so much easier and more predictable. And again, you buy back your stability, predictability, and your time. So I think the first thing, Tim, is working on their mindset about what it takes to be a listing agent and coming to terms with the fact that that is something you can conquer. And once you do, it becomes really predictable. I'm sure that makes sense, you know, based on what you've seen with your coaching clients. So the next step is figuring out, well, how many listings do I need? Let's say I want to embrace this. How do they figure out, Tim, how many listings it takes to drive their business? Well, to put a period at the end of the sentence, Julie, not that you didn't say it perfectly, but just to really drive the point home, to become a listing agent means that you have a schedule for the most part. To, to be a listing agent means you have normal working hours, unless you choose not to, but for the most part, you have normal working hours. Becoming a listing agent means, and we're going to tell you in the next point called your magic number, you have consistent cash flow, which means you can do consistent financial planning. Again, guys, this comes from being a listing agent. All right, so the next point is um, magic number. How many listings do I need at all times? All right, so uh, here is one of the, I think, um, pillars of our coaching business is teaching agents that their business really just does come down to one number. And that's the number of listings you need at all times. Um, this is something that we've presented a billion times now. And every time we do it, it's usually the thing that makes agents have the biggest epiphanies or aha moments. And here it is. All right. How many listings you know, Julie, this is difficult to do without a real-life uh, agent on the line, but for the most part, all of you guys can envision having 10 listings at all times. So if, if I were on a coaching call with you right now, I'd ask, how many, what's the total number of listings, the maximum number of listings you've ever had at once? And for the most part, you guys will say 5 or 10, or if you're from where Julie and I are from in the Midwest, it'll be you know, in the double digits. But the reality of it is, is that for the most part, all of you guys can get your minds to the place where you can visualize having 10 listings at all times. So that, I want all of you to do that exercise. Imagine a dry erase board. says listings at the top. says 1 through 10. And there's an active, non-pending listing for every one of the numbers. So you get it? 10 listings at all times. Now, here's where the magic happens, i.e. the magic number. When you have 10 listings at all times, that's your magic number for the most part in most markets, how many of those will sell out of the MLS almost automatically? Let's be very, very conservative. Let's say two, okay? So if you had 10 listings at all times, let's say two would sell out of the MLS 
um, you know, basically just by being actively for sale and being the, the fact that we're still in many mar- parts of the country, very much a seller's market. Yes, I know some of you are saying, Tim, if I had 10 listings at all times, all 10 would sell. And you're probably right. But just for the sake of this uh, presentation, we're going to stick with two. In most of the country, if you have two listings at all times, you're, that means that you are going to generally generate per transaction, let's say, $7,000. California, our clients in New York City, your average commission is going to be, and guys that are in the Midwest, don't hate them for this, but their average commission is going to be over $30,000. We have coaching clients whose average commission is over $100,000. Okay, So you know, it's all perspective. You have to obviously have an idea of what your average commission is. So we're just going to use the generalized number of 7,000. If you had 10 listings at all times and you had uh, you know, two of them sell per month, and I realize that in many cases it would be much more than that, but let's just say two, you would, on autopilot, make $14,000 a month. Now, what should you all think about that? You know, just take for a moment and ask yourself, if you had 10 listings at all times in your marketplace with your average commission and figure out what your commission is after you pay your broker, you know, to do it right, how many listings would you have to have for you to make essentially enough money for you to accomplish all your have-tos, financial have-tos, your financial want-tos? How much money would you need? Chances are, in most parts of the country, you'd need 10 and you'd have to sell two and you'd have a brilliant life, wouldn't you? It's interesting, isn't it, to think about that? So really, if you get down to what it takes to be successful long-term in real estate, it's certainly doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest levels. But when we put numbers to that, it's getting to and maintaining 10 listings at all times. Now, again, if you're from Ohio or Michigan or you know, a lot of these other markets, you might need 30. You know, I have coaching clients in uh, Missouri, and they might need 50. It just depends. If your market is really quickly selling, like in L.A. or Austin, Texas, for example, you might only need five. It doesn't really matter. The fact is, is that the point that you need to be walking away from is that your financial bliss comes from getting to and maintaining a certain number of listings at all times. Hopefully that makes sense to everyone. Now, let's talk about momentum. So the question now is, okay, Tim, 10 listings at all times. I'd love to have 10 listings at all times. How long will it take? How do I go about doing it? And so I'm going to give you guys an analogy, and this seems to resonate with everyone that we've, always, we've ever presented it to. Um, so you're in a plane. Or you're, you know, you're, imagine a jet, if you will, and you can be even in the jet, however you want to be doing it. You're the pilot of the jet. How about that? Even make it better. There's essentially three real critical stages of flight. There's the runway, throttling up, taking off, you know, where the plane shakes. And it's using, you know, it's, it's basically, uh, you know, that's the most violent part. You know, it's, the, you guys can know, you've all been in those situations. You can practically feel the plane shaking as I'm describing that to you. And then there's cruising altitude where things get much smoother, where it's much easier to fly. And then, of course, you have landing, right? So your business works the exact same way. But here's where most agents falter, and they, you know, they, frankly, they give up. So when you are taking off, that's when you use your most fuel. When you're, just like the jet, when you're trying to get up to cruising altitude, you have to put in all kinds of effort. And again, that's what requires, in some cases, a five-fold or a ten-fold increase in the effort that you normally put forth in your business. So literally, guys, for you to finally clear the runway, for you to finally get up to cruising altitude, you know, you're going to have to put a lot of energy in. That's just the way it works. Be clear about that. Now, when you get to cruising altitude, uh, that's when the jet, the pilot, 
normally kind of throttles back a little bit, and it's easy to keep speed, and it's easy to keep elevation. So to tie this back into the magic number, if you had 10 listings at all times, and you, you know, the getting up to that point, that's where you're taking off. That's when you're using most of the fuel. That's what's requiring most of the energy. That, for some people, can take a month. That can take six months, and some people it takes a year. It just depends how consistently you throttle down. Now, when you're at cruising altitude, cruising altitude does not mean that you're not still keeping the throttle uh, going, because you are. But it's easier because you only have to replace what sells. So 10 listings at all times, let's say you're starting at zero. To get to 10 and to maintain 10, you know you're going to have some sell along the way. It's going to take a lot of effort. You're going to have to learn some new skills. It's mental work versus physical work. You know, you're going to have to get over the fact that you're a salesperson. You're going to have to be okay asking for business. You're going to have to change your mindset a lot, and then you're going to have to learn some new skills. And for some of you, you haven't been in that state of learning for a long time because you've been complacent with your skills. Remember, when the going gets tough, the smart leave. So you now have your skill set. You're now working it. You're now getting better and better and better. That is when you're climbing up to altitude. That's when, again, it requires a lot of consistent effort. Now, like the pilot, if while you're climbing up to the altitude, if you pull back on that throttle, what's going to happen? You're going to have to land again. You're going to have to hopefully not violently land again. You're going to end up back on the runway. See, guys, that's what most of you do. You start out with all kinds of energy and enthusiasm, and you start out by throttling down, and I'm going to do it. Nothing's going to get da, 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 da. And then you hit a little bit of turbulence, and you say, whatever reason, you decide to go back to where you were. And then you find yourself sitting on that runway again, waiting for permission to take off. Guys, it, that is how success works. Now, here's the cool thing about when you're cruising altitude. Not only is it easier because you just have to replace what sells. Remember, we were talking about two selling per month. You don't have, you don't have to like, you know, t t you take two per month, you replace what sells. And then if you choose to increase your income, if you want to go to the next level, what does it take? You add some more throttle. You decide to set your course for a higher uh, level. And then you increase your average, you know, your number of listings from 10 to 15 per month. You give yourself a nice little raise. Now, <laughs> some of you will be thinking ahead of me and ask yourself when you land the plane. The answer is never. You never land the plane. You land the plane when you're dead. Okay, now you can get to a point where you're cruising and maybe you're happy at that altitude. It's easier. The view's great. That's great. Just don't stay there too long because what's going to eventually happen is you're going to have to go to the next level again with your skills. Otherwise, you're going to inevitably fall back down to earth. Julie, that is a really, I think, the easiest way to explain momentum that I've ever, you know, that we've ever thought of for, co for realtors. It absolutely is. So the goal is to not keep on taking off and then kind of not really reaching cruising altitude. You've got to go circle back to the runway. Hopefully you can find the runway, refuel, and do it all over again. That's the life of how many agents operate. Typically the agents that go from a deal to a deal or a handful of deals to a handful of deals because they're always circling the runway. Your goal is to get to that magic number, which is cruising altitude, set it to autopilot for a while, decide is this a listing inventory that's going to get you to where you need to be. We can you know, modulate a little bit, put some more fuel in, do it again. So here's the thing. The taking off part, just like for the jet, is the hardest part of any real estate practice. You've got to push through and keep that throttle down so you can get up there and stop starting and stopping. And, you know, what would that be like if you were on the plane 
And the pilot kind of second guessed, oh, I don't know, is this the right thing to do? Did I put the right kind of fuel in? Maybe I ought to go, maybe I'll respond to that email where they said, if you just do this, you'll be a better pilot. I'm, I'm just going to go land the plane again. That's how some of you guys run your practice. So the key is to get through that, get to your listing inventory, and then it actually gets a lot easier, just like when you reach that cruising altitude, the plane kind of settles in. We don't have as much turbulence because we're through the clouds. It's smooth sailing, and that's when the pilot comes on and says it's okay to loosen your seatbelt. Some of you guys haven't experienced that. Those of you with listing inventory know exactly what we're talking about. So get to that cruising altitude because then all you have to do is replace your listings as they sell. So you're not trying to build that 10. You might be replacing one or two at a time, and by the time you've gotten to your magic number, you'll have the skills to easily replace them as needed, and that's when you gain that great momentum and predictability to your business and get your time back. It's when it becomes more predictable, when you have predictable, duplicatable income. Imagine the stress melting away for some of you guys. I mean, really, Tim, if it's between being a listing agent and being a buyer's agent, the listing agents win every time. Regardless of the market conditions, markets up or markets down, listing agent always wins. Regardless of what's happening with interest rates, if you've got sellers that have to sell, you win. I mean, think about some of you guys that have been writing contract after contract with your buyers. Wouldn't you have rather have been that listing agent with offers to choose from? I know I would have, Tim. What well, you thoughts? know, the other, thing, the other thing that's interesting is when, and Julie, let's, at the next point, let's just uh, replace that one with the spokes on the wheel, and if you don't mind presenting that one. Um, sure. So, guys, the, th the thing that's also interesting is a lot of you come to us with having, uh, you guys are spending a lot of money on your businesses. And when you really drill down to see what you're spending your money on, you're spending your money on buyer lead generation and buyer lead cultivation. That's where you guys are blowing, wasting, in many cases, thousands and thousands of dollars. Buyer lead generation and buyer lead qualification. You're not focusing on listings. You're spending your money, frankly, on wasteful things for the most part. When you're focused on being a listing agent, for the most part, you don't have to spend hardly any money. That's a little... I think, aha moment that a lot of you need to experience. You're having to spend money to buy buyer leads because you don't have listings. When you have listings, you have to beat the buyers off with a stick. Okay, Zillow knows that. That's the reason they have your listings on their site. Truly at Realtor.com, same thing. They know that they put the buyers on the site. The buyers will go to them. You know, and then what happens? Or if they put the listings on the site, the buyers go to them. They then sell the impressions of the leads back to you guys. So, Julie, we use spokes on the wheel, that analogy, a lot. I think it's really important that we explain to all these guys, you know, another fallacy or another problem that happens when you're on the path of becoming a listing agent when they just do one thing. That's right. So we lovingly know those agents as one-spoke wonders, and you'll know why in a second. So most agents operate off of just looking for that one good thing. If I just pay for this, if I just deploy that, that's going to cause me to have all of my lead generation issues solved. But in fact, we can think about this as a bicycle wheel, right? So imagine you've got your bicycle, you've just assembled it, and you have the front wheel is together, you've got a really strong spoke, and you figure that's good enough, so you're going to go riding in the park. So you're on your bike, you got your one spoke, and there's a speed bump or maybe a rock in the road. Well, you thought you had a good bike put together, maybe you skipped some steps, and you thought it was okay until you hit that speed bump or that rock. So what happens to the bike? You wipe out. Now, some of you guys experienced that during the recession when you were living on one spoke, repeat and referral, because everybody was fat and happy and qualified for everything. And then what happened? 
major speed bump, and a lot of agents crashed and burned. So what happens if you add multiple spokes? You take your bike, you, you put your Band-Aids on your knees from wiping out, you take that bike back to the shop, and you go, you know what? Maybe I should have used all of the parts. I'm going to put multiple spokes in that wheel. I'm going to see how that goes. I'm going to not only make sure that I've got it assembled correctly, but I'm going to maybe use some titanium spokes. I'm going to do this right. So I now have multiple spokes in my wheel. I go back to that same park, and I notice not only am I not feeling those speed bumps and those rocks, but I'm actually traveling a lot faster. I don't actually even feel anything that's in my way. Gosh, this is a lot smoother ride. So in real estate, multiple spokes means having multiple sources or pipelines of business so that you're not dependent on any one thing. Some of you guys go from thing to thing in beliefs that the next greatest thing that's waiting for you in your email or what have you is going to be the magic bullet. Well, guess what? There is no magic bullet. There is no one spoke that will get you to your goal. So we teach you a model that gives you multiple pipelines. So maybe you've got a really great, strong center of influence base and you have a lot of nice referrals coming in. But what happens if rates go up? What happens if you know, any number of things happens? You need to have some other skills in line. So multiple spokes is your key to happiness. People always ask him, what is the one best source of listing leads? So we always answer, there is no one best source. The answer is well, it all is, I mean, spokes in the wheel. It, yeah, exactly. And you know, to Julie's you know, to point, the, the really, we have to wrap the radio show. Julie and I both have to go on other conference calls. So here's the moral of the story. If you're a one-spoke wonder, as so many of you are, I'm thinking uh, about you, Bart, and your one-spoke with centers of influence and past clients, you know, you are going to be uh, vulnerable to fluctuations in the marketplace. If you're one spoke, you know, you guys can scale this idea of spokes on your wheel. If your one spoke is sources of income, if your one spoke is a specific market. I've got a coaching client um, in North Dakota, and his one, he is already the dominant agent in his market. And his market is solely dependent on Tyson, you know, the chicken uh, poultry. So if Tyson were to move shop to Mexico, his whole town would pretty much be devastated. So he is kind of a one-spoke wonder in that he's all dependent on this particular small market. So guys, depending on where you are, you really got to be thinking about that. How well have you insulated yourself to natural fluctuations in the market? And start out with how many different sources of lead generation do you have? Our primary focus, guys, will always be on realtors. You know, there was an interesting um, report that came out. I read about it on Inman, and we read Inman every day. We're contributors on Inman, talking about the 200 most influential people in real estate. And you know what? I thought the list was interesting in that there wasn't a single agent on that website. How preposterous, I thought to myself, because the backbone of this industry is agents. If you take the agents away, you've got nothing. The listing agents in particular do control the market. You guys listening who are learning how to be listing agents are the most important thing. Forward-thinking brokers, forward-thinking MLSs, recognize that and aren't afraid to say it. The listing agents control the market. The listing agents are the ones that decide what's going to make it on the market. The listing agents are the ones who oftentimes will control pricing. The listing agents are the ones that ultimately will you know, determine whether the buyer's agents are going to have a shot at selling their listings or not. Guys, you've got to realize that you have to be on the side of being a listing agent because being a buyer's agent, there will always be a need for being a buyer's agent, but there's every reason to believe that it's not ever going to be as lucrative and as rewarding in many other ways 
as being a listing agent. So Julie and I have to get to other events. If there's anything we can do for you, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. We had other points we were going to share with you guys. Go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Um, and I'll tell you what we'll do. I'm going to give you guys a free copy of our book, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, and also a free copy of our book, The Real Estate Treasure Map, when you request a, a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. If there's anything we can ever do for you, you can also go to timandjulieharris.com if you're ready to jump into one of our coaching programs. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.